Hey, it's Nikki. If you're tuning into this podcast, chances are high that you experience at least occasional moments of overwhelm, resistance, lack of inspiration, and general WTF, can I even do this? Moments. Yes? Well, I made something for you. It's called the Naptime Empire Survival Guide, an email and audio series specifically curated to help you shift out of overwhelm, comparison, hiding in the bathroom, and back into inspired aligned action. We're talking unfiltered stories and insights from entrepreneurial moms who get this life, plus tried and tested tools to use when your brain is full, your energy's drained, and you could use some help getting your spark back. It's all delivered right to your inbox, organized neatly in emails that you can store up for a rainy day and come back to as often as you need to. As a fun bonus, you'll also get an invite to join my private Facebook community so you can get behind the scenes scoop on the Naptime Empires book and first dibs on my most recent offers as they come to life. Visit naptimeempires.com slash guide to secure your copy and I'll meet you in your inbox. All right, now back to the episode. You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Elledge Brown. Let's get started. Abby Ashley is the founder of The Virtual Savvy. She helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their own at-home businesses from scratch. She started her own virtual assistant business as a new mom and was able to double her salary from her full-time corporate job working 20 hours a week in just 30 days. She's since gone on to grow a seven-figure business, retiring her husband, all from this at-home business, helping other people start their own virtual assistant businesses. It's now her passion to help others start up so they can taste the freedom and flexibility of entrepreneurship as well. In this conversation, we cover what it means to be a virtual assistant, Abby's best tips for hiring the perfect VA for you, how and what to delegate when you're working with someone new, how she and her husband transitioned to working together in the business, the power of having dedicated full-time support in your business and a financial buffer too, how creating a course changed the game for her business and how she knew exactly what to build so it would sell like hotcakes, and the flops within her business that happened before it took off. Hashtag both sides. Enjoy. All right, here we go. Abby, Ashley, you've been on my dream guest list for years since I first connected with you online. I thought if and when I start recording conversations again for Naptime Empires, I wanted to have you on because, well, one, you're living it with kiddos at home and building your business, your empire rather. It's it's reached to that stage. I think we can call it that. Um, but also just because you helped so many other people start businesses from home that maybe hadn't considered it or whatever. So just to kick us off, I'd love for you to just share more about the context and the frame of reference in terms of when you started your business, did you already have the kiddos? Did they come once you've had your business? Like what's the actual setup over there? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally be chatting with you. Um, yeah. So I was looking for a way to make money from home, kind of yeah. that, that, that story. Cause I, um, at the time I was actually, pregnant with my second child. So 2015, I'm pregnant. I am not enjoying what I'm doing anymore. And I'm like, I have got to figure out a different solution. So uh, I had a friend who suggested that I look into becoming a virtual assistant. And I had no idea what that was, but I scoured the internet that night, didn't sleep. And the next morning started calling myself a virtual assistant. (laughs) 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 Let's do this. I'm a quick start. So um, so yeah, I, I really just dove headfirst into, uh, you know, providing virtual assistant services to small business owners. I lived in the DC area. So, um, I just, I started going to a lot of in-person networking meetings and I'm pretty pregnant at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something was like, I, I, I was just very, very determined. And so I, um, I started getting clients, um, and it, it just grew, it grew and it grew. And, uh, to the point where, you know, I, I ended up having my son, I'm like writing emails in my hospital bed. I definitely don't recommend people do it the way that I did it, (laughs) but I've, you know, I I was building this thing and I, I knew I had a really, really big why is that, okay, I have two kids now and I want to, you know, I, 
I, I want to do something where I can uh, have that flexibility. So I, uh, yeah, can continued to build that business and it has gone on to, you know, doing something that was creating a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars to, um, you know, I eventually went on to create an online course to teach other people how to become virtual assistants. And so, um, we're sitting here, you know, four or five years later, and this is now, uh, retired my husband and we have seven full-time employees Mm -hmm. and, um, it's just gone on to become this, uh, massive empire (laughs) while, you know, it, during the nap time. So right. <laughs> yep, that's that's kind of uh that's kind of my story. This is amazing. And I didn't realize that it was 2015 when you got started. Like that makes it even more mind-blowing to me everything that you and your team have been able to create just in the last 5 years, not even. It's been a whirlwind for sure. So we were pregnant at the same time I was pregnant with Diki in 2015 oh, too and then yeah. he arrived just before the end of the year. So I have so many so many follow-up questions. So when, with your first clients, you said you were finding them in person because you were like going to networking events and stuff in your local area and that's how you were finding them? Yeah. And then with your first, were you working outside of the home or you had, you were, you know, full-time momming or like, what were you doing before you started the business? Yeah. So, um, I, when I had my first daughter, I was, or when I had my daughter, my first child, uh, I was working, um, as an academic advisor for an online university. So I was kind of working remotely. So I was used to that, you know, working from home thing, but, um, I mean, I was having to like answer phone, like student phone calls and Mm -hmm. things like that. But I'm like, this, this is not what I want to do. And I was really, really tied to my desk all the time. And so I actually quit that job when she was born. And then I started nannying, started a million different businesses during that time. So I did everything from, you know, selling jeans on eBay to like buying textbooks to doing freezer meal parties and like all these different, I mean, I was just, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. My dad's an entrepreneur. We, you know, we, we geek out over business ideas since I was a kid. And so I've always like had these ideas running through my head. And so it was just kind of like spitfire, try something, try something, try something, try something, nothing really ever stuck though. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is that I didn't, um, you know, that, that quick momentum, I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that it's amazing. Anybody who just like grinds it out and is just like, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going, even though this thing isn't really building that quickly. I like to see results for my work. And so most of these businesses, I would like work and work and work and work. And so like the freezer meal parties, I do all this work and then I would have, you know, hardly any money left over. And I was having to like leave my daughter to do it. And it was just, it just wasn't ideal. Whereas virtual assistants, it was on my own time. I was literally like really, really low overhead. You don't really have to invest in a lot, Mm -hmm. um, to, to start offering services online. And so the money I got, I actually got to keep and, um, it was just something that people needed. Right. Um, and I think I liked the idea of selling to other business owners as opposed to, you know, trying to get all my friends and family to buy things. I don't know. It just, it it just fit me. It was like, once I found it, it was like, Oh, this is it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I just, I really feel like this is a thing, but I'm grateful for all the other things that I tried too. Cause I think it led me to the point of finding out what I really loved to do. Totally. Cause it all helps you see like, okay, I like this. Definitely don't like this. Okay. This is what I want. Definitely don't want this. And then it helps you refine like a dating profile. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly what's actually going to work. Okay. And that I- was fun, but <laughs> not sustainable. Not really my thing. Yeah. So- and I see so many people, I feel like I feel like people get frustrated at themselves because they're like, oh, this is just, I have another business idea. This is another thing I'm going to try and I'm not going to follow through on. I, I don't know. At least that's the way I always was like, yeah. oh, okay. And here's another idea. And here's another idea. Here's Abby again, who doesn't follow through on any of her big ideas, who mm-hmm. like starts them and doesn't finish them. But 
it's okay. Most of these famous entrepreneurs that we know who have these, you know, massive businesses, they, they, they're not doing the very first business idea that they had. You know, I think that you do sometimes just have to have to go through a couple of different ideas. And I think that that is a sign. It's not a sign of, Oh, I'm a person that gives up. It's a person, it's a sign of I'm a person that persists and, and is going to, keep going even through kind of the bad ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And that's the thing too, is that so often we can then overthink and just freeze. And one thing I was talking about <clears throat> with a client and then later with a friend this week, I'm like, when we are in that freeze mode and we're not taking action, it's because we're afraid of doing it wrong and then being criticized for it, but we're not escaping criticism because we're actually criticizing ourselves so much in the beginning that we won't even start. It's like, it's going to be so awful that you shouldn't even put it out there. So it's like, wouldn't you rather delegate that criticism to someone who's not in your brain 24 hours a day for your whole entire life? Like let somebody else take that load and you just give yourself a chance. (laughs) I'm going to delegate the criticism. Yeah. That's That's phenomenal. Somebody else handle it because we're not escaping it. We think we're being sneaky and we're escaping the criticism, but we're not because we're doing it to ourselves. Right. So good. Okay. So there's so many things I want to ask, but selfishly, because I'm actually going to be starting with the new VA this next week. (laughs) And like, I love hearing from people who have this experience of working in and with so many different business owners, especially when it comes to usually a VA is like the first hire that people are making. And it can be really hard to delegate anything or feel like, oh gosh, what do I give? I don't want to give too much or I don't want to give the stuff I don't want to do because then maybe they don't want to do it or you give too much, not enough direction. Over the years from your firsthand experience, but also with all of your students and their experience, what are some of what you would say the common mistakes or how to know, like how to get ready to work with a VA. Cause this is also something that you offer, right? It's kind of like you have a list and directory of the people who have been trained right. in your system to help people get going. Yes. So I've seen this done really, really well. And I've seen this done really, really poorly from yeah. my own experience, my own failures in doing this and, yeah. um, you know, watching other people. So the, one of the biggest things I, I see is that uh, people will hire a virtual assistant when they're really, really overwhelmed, which yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing, but they think, oh, I'm going to hire this person and they're just going to fix it all. Like this, this is the solution to my problem. And they, they think that this person is going to come in and just magically like fix their business, especially when it comes to like, I I see a lot of times people will do this when it comes to like sales and marketing. It's like, I've created this amazing thing. Now I just need someone to sell it. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, (laughs) if you don't have your own like audience dialed in and you don't have your own traffic platform and you don't have your own way of converting, you know, potential clients to to clients, then that like someone's not going to just come in and you need more of like a coach or a mentor to fix your overall business strategy problems, not a VA who's going to come in and, and, and hand off is going to do tasks for you. Like they're not there to solve your entire business. That's that's one of the big things that I see happen, especially for, you know, people who are newer in business. Mm -hmm. I see that that, that mistake happens a lot. Now, um, a VA can be phenomenal, especially if you find the right person. So one of the things, um, that I really recommend doing before you hire a virtual assistant is to, to do a time study. I hate tracking my time. I think we all like hate tracking our time, but it can be a really valuable exercise. And so I'll tell people to do a one week study. And so we think we know where our time is going, but when you actually sit down and you're tracking it, whether it's with pen and paper or a spreadsheet, or you use a tool like, um, toggle, that's what I usually use when I do time tracking and I'll literally sit and I'll input, like, what did I do during my, you know, my working hours? And so, um, then you can see, oh, this is what is really on my plate. Um, and something I've I've been working with a coach recently, and she's been talking about like, what are your swim lanes? Like, what are the things that you really excel at and that you want to be doing? Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me when I track my time, even still I'll track my time and I'll go and I'll look and how many things are outside of my swim lanes? Like mm-hmm. I should stop doing this. Over here doing handstands and flips. 
Oh my goodness. And I mean, there is an evolution of business. When you first start out in business, you, you do wear all the hats. You, you know, you're the marketer, you're the admin, you're the customer service agent, you're the janitor, you're everything. And then you slowly begin to, you know, promote yourself to CEO and and you, and you outsource and you, and, and so it is a process. So it's not like, Oh, I shouldn't be doing any of this. But I think at different stages in your business, it's like, all right, I, I now know that I've reached a level that some of these more minute tasks, like I need to be getting off my plate. So recognizing what those tasks are, coming up with a really, really good like job description, like this is this is what I'm really, really looking for. Yeah. And then you can decide, okay, is the thing that's consuming most of my tasks, do I need to hire a general VA that I'm just going to outsource a bunch of these little things off to, or do I need to bring in a specialist? So am I just spending all my time, you know, if you're, you're doing, if you have a massive YouTube channel and you're spending all your time doing YouTube, well, maybe you just need to come have a YouTube specialist come in and just handle your YouTube. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of, you don't really know that until you've really looked at your time and assessed what you really need. And then when it comes to the actual hiring of somebody, um, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is that they will just, they, they hire fast and fire slow, mm-hmm. which I am a big fan of trying to do the other or doing it the other way, which is hire slow and fire fast. Um, although I'm really bad at the fire fast thing. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I believe that because I'm like, I, I don't know. I just hire really well. So we don't have to fire people. There you so, go. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the, that hiring process, um, one, like you, you've got to find somebody that's going to fit in with your company culture. Even if you're just an individual, you still have a company culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so finding somebody that fits with that culture, cause you can teach tasks. Um, so that's like kind of the first, that first initial hire is like, does this person, person really, really fit in with the culture? Then what I will do with somebody is I'll do a test project. So that test project is, can they really complete the work? Right? Yeah. Like, is this, um, and, and it can be a paid test project. It's not like you need to have people do this for free, but, um, I'll do a test project. Like, can, can they actually do the day-to-day duties? Let's do an example. And then what I will do, and I, I ask anybody that I hire, like, is this a possibility, whether it's an employee or a contractor, we do kind of a 30 day test Mm -hmm. and it's just a 30 day contract where we say, Hey, let's work together for 30 days. Um, and, at that point, we both have an out. That way it's not awkward. That yes. way it's not like, it's just, hey, these 30 days, let's just try this out. And then it like, sometimes you guys are both awesome people, but it's just not a good fit. Maybe the communication isn't good or whatever things come up. Um, so yeah, that initial, like that interview hire process, it's I'm looking for culture mostly. Um, that test project, it's can they actually... Um, you know, do the tasks. And then that month long process, that's where you're going to see over time, is this person reliable? You know, do they have the character? Do they, um, do they, can they continue to do the work well and and things like that? So um, yeah, I know that's a lot, but that's yeah, kind of what I have so, found to be helpful. Yeah. And it's so important because this is, I mean, this is the key to us being able to build businesses that don't hundred percent rely on us. Like I have another conversation for season three with my buddy, Adrian Dorison, and we're talking about the clock working idea and really mm-hmm. how we can so often be the bottleneck, but even before graduating to clock worked and like really letting the whole business be able to run and grow without you, this is often the first step in allowing yourself to be supported in business and at home as well. And that's a, that's a related tangential conversation, but being able to pass things off rather than being the control freak who's like, no, I have to do it all. And there's value in knowing how to do all the things and knowing and how your tools work and blah, blah, blah. Because if you're in a pinch and you need to do something and it's the middle of the night, nobody's available because they have lives and sleep and needs and all of that too. It's good to know all those things, but it's so liberating to be able to trust another human and it's tricky though. And that's why I, I think it's super valuable to have this conversation, especially when you're like, well, I do a great job hiring. Like it's such an important, powerful skill set. So thank you for sharing all that. And I do love the idea of a 30 day test that way, because it's like just with se- like with selling and clients and customers, it's like you want the highest good for all. So yeah. it's, it's a mutual, Hey, let's just see how this goes. And then it saves you the word pickle at the end of the 30 days of being like, wait, this isn't working because you can reevaluate. So I love that plan. 
Exactly. Okay. And then what are some of the things that a lot of people, like what are, are there typical things that people tend to delegate first? I mean, for me, it was my, my cousin Dave set up my first website, his development. I was like, I don't know, how do I install WordPress? And I don't know, like I knew there were all the blog posts, but the development of the actual site, like getting things live, that was the first thing I ever delegated. But are there typical things that people tend to hand off first with online business models, at least like service-based information product-based businesses? Yeah. So I have found that it's usually, I mean, there's kind of three categories, technical, admin, and creative. Okay. And so um, it's it's usually one of those three areas. It's either the one that you're struggling with most or the one that's taking up the most time for you. So for me, it was admin. I mean, just answering customer service emails. Like I am not a detail-oriented person. Yeah. So for me, like getting into the day-to-day details um, of, of like my customer service and all of that, I didn't always love the most, even though I like people, but I don't like answering emails. So um, that was huge for me, at least. And I I find for a lot of people that just that that load of uh, managing your own inbox and calendar. And if you have like a um, you know, a hello ad or whatever that, that main general account that, um, your customers and potential customers email into that that's a, that can be a big relief. And a lot of that can be templatized, right? Cause I think that, um, a huge part of this is, you know, coming up with systems as well. So whether you're creating the system ahead of time or you're having your VA kind of create the system as they go along, um, having a system so that things are just easy to pass off, um, is huge. So, you know, coming up with templatized emails and and things like that for the customer service, same with tech. So that was kind of your first area where it's like, let me get this website off of my hands. Um, and I, I find that uh, a lot of people will do that or kind of the creative. And so that could be anything from like creating social media graphics to, um, maybe it is, you know, coming back kind of creative and technical doing web design or, um, you know, one of the very first ongoing contractors that I invested in, uh, with the virtual savvy was a Pinterest manager. So that was, I was like, okay, I want Pinterest to be one of the main ways I grow my business. So I'm going to hire somebody just to do Pinterest for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was huge. And Pinterest, you know, five years later, it's been compounding and it it brings in a ton of traffic for us. So it's, um, yeah. So I, I've, I found that it's usually one of those three areas. I love those three areas. That's such a neat and tidy way to think about it. So I just, I could, I'm pretty sure I could let this go for like three hours. We have one. So I'll just carry on with my next curiosity thread, which is you mentioned that you have seven full-time employees now over there. So what's that transition been like from hiring your first contractors and help to then moving into like, okay, we're actually building a full-time team here. What's that been like and lessons learned? I love having employees. I love having a team. Team culture is like, oh, I'm obsessed with it. So, um, you know, I think that at a certain point, um, at a certain point in business, it's worthwhile to like, rather than having a a ton of people doing a lot of tiny things, Mm -hmm. um, have just full-time devoted people on your team. And it was a huge shift. And I honestly, I feel like that's when we started having the most monumental growth Mm -hmm. in the business was when we were able to just hire full-time team members. So, um, the first person that I hired as a full-time team member was, a she was an online business manager. She's now my COO. And she was, Literally, it was just her job to get all the systems out of my head and Mm. onto paper. Like that was basically what she did for me because I had a way of doing business, right? Like I had been doing this, I had been making money, we had all these processes, but she just got it all out so that we could um, build upon that. And she did, you know, some of the back end and admin stuff too. Um, And then we just slowly started building upon that. And one new one new team member at a time. We're actually about to hire three new full-time people now, which is a little scary. I I think that that's, that's a big thing too, is that hiring employees can be scary because you're just all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, I am now in charge of someone's livelihood like this. Like I am their full-time income now and that can be scary. So a couple of things that we do, one, we always have, um, we try to always have at least three months of expenses, including this new person's salary in the bank. Um, just have that little buffer. That's like the, the peace of mind safety net in the back. And then, um, 
we also, let's see. Okay. Um, for me, like I, one of my, one of my coaches at one point was telling me like, Abby, it's, it's okay. And it's good to hire for the team that you know, you're going to have and that you're going to need and not necessarily what you have now. And every time that I've hired, um, again, we have that buffer there. So it's not too scary, but it's like, okay, I'm hiring for the team that I'm going to need three months from now or six months from now Mm -hmm. we've done it. And then we've grown into that place. And so, um, I don't know, it's, it's scary to hire full-time team members and I wouldn't like take it lightly, you know, but at the same time, it can be like super, super monumental for your growth. Yeah. And it's an important conversation because a lot of times people like, it just feels when you're on the other side of it and you haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. Um, it's like, it just feels like this amorphous, mysterious, kind of like launching the podcast where it's like, how do you just talk? And then it shows up in iTunes. You know, it's like this big old question mark and this mystery. So I love talking to people about it because it helps demystify it and be like, well, yeah, sometimes you're paying thousands of dollars in retainers to people who aren't actually dedicated full-time to your business. And really it could be the same or sometimes even less to have an actual employee where you can have the set hours and they are dedicated to your business as opposed to working with five other clients or whatever. So there are definitely benefits and, and, and drawbacks, trade-offs. Like you said, it is a little more pressure, but it can also help you rise to the occasion. And it's just you have that pressure either way of the pressure of like, dang it, I really needed this done, but I can't be like, please do this right now because it's their own business that they're running and they're not necessarily working really to support yours. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it's really, there's no right or wrong answer. I think it's a, um, you know, generally people will hire contractors first and then at a certain point they'll be like, okay, it's time for employees. Some people never do that. Right. They just continue to run off a contractor. So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Um, but it's, I, I've loved it. I just love having a team. I love having, you know, people that we, we show up, we have like our virtual team meetings on Monday and we do two in-person repeats, retreats a year. Although this year it's going to hopefully, hopefully we'll get one in-person retreat. in. I'm like, Oh, we missed our spring retreat. It's so sad. But like having a team, like a real team is just, it it makes it feel like a legit business. It's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And do y'all communicate like via Slack or what is your day-to-day team communication channel that you Yep. We were on Slack all day posting GIFs and, you know, (laughs) that's fun. Okay. So I also want to talk about, well, okay. Lots of things. One, I want to talk about your shift and when you went from client work to creating information products to be able to help other people start their own VA businesses. But I also want to talk about the concept of retiring your husband. So this is something that I'll be talking about in the Naptime Empire's book because it's something that a lot of people talk about the idea of it or letting it be the goal of, you know, helping getting to a point where your business can sustain supporting you financially and your partner then has a choice to do whatever it is that they want to do. But I haven't heard many conversations around the reality of what that looks like. And I know for us, it was like, whoa, like reentry was a B (laughs) because we were leaving from Hawaii to Texas, there were so many changes and transitions at once, but what's that transition been like for you guys over there? Yeah. I mean, anyone that's like, Oh, this is amazing. And it's been all fun and sunshine and rainbows is probably lying. Cause it's not, <laughs> and not, I mean, my husband and I, we work really well together. Like we're yeah. spending a lot of time together and that, and so that's not as much of the issue, but just um, there's just so much. So ours was a little interesting, our story of how that happened. So we had actually been living, we met in Virginia, you know, got married, had kids, all the things. And he got basically his dream job offer in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And so we picked up and we moved to Oklahoma about three years ago. And, um, you know, my business was going at that point. It was good. I could do it from anywhere. So like no big deal. So we picked up, we moved the kids over there. And after 90 days in this dream job, um, he ended up getting fired. Oh, wow. 
we walked into a really bad situation. We had no idea. And so it was, um, didn't end up being his dream job after all. Yeah. And so there, that was kind of this point where we were like, what do we do? <laughs> like, we didn't want to move back to Virginia. We didn't really want to live in Oklahoma. Um, I'm from Missouri. And so well, the first thing we did, actually, um, I was in the meeting when they fired us and they're like, so what are you guys going to do? And I was like, we're going to Jamaica. He's like, what? And I was like, we're going to Disney our, we, our stress level is really high. We, yeah. what we need is to make sure our marriage is good and secure. So we, um, we took the kids to grandma's house and we went and we spent a week in Jamaica and we wow. put all the cards on the table, literally, like we wrote out cards of what we could do next in our life <laughs> after like talking and some praying and sitting by the ocean. we just like slowly removed cards off the table. And then we're like, all right, we are moving to Missouri. That's what we're doing, which is uh, where I'm from. And never really thought I would move back here. Yeah. And, um, that was, that was what we did. And so it was, a. and then at that point it was like, okay, do, what, what do you do? What do you, what do you want to do? And him redeciding what he wanted to do. And that wasn't, that hasn't been an easy process. Right. And we're still kind of in it, honestly, like he, he went and worked for a little while at a job and then, um, he went and got really involved in our church. And now he's actually just in January started working full-time for me. So it's been, Mm. it's, it's been like a couple years of figuring it out. And I think we are still figuring it out, but having like, he supported me so much when I was starting this business. Like I literally like cashed out my 401k to build my first website. Now granted there was like hardly any money in that 401k, but still it was like, I'm going to do this crazy thing. And he's like, go do it. You can do anything. And he Uh. was really supporting me. So I love being able to like do that back in return and be like, all right, you know, you have the freedom to figure out what you want to do and all this. And now he's just so excited for the business that he's like, I just want to work for you. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So that's a new venture. (laughs) That's been happening is having him work for me now. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I asked this question because that's such a juicy story and all of the, the twists and turns that you've been going through just in the last three years. So when did you move to Missouri? Uh, two years ago. So two years ago. Yeah. So it was about three years ago that he got the job, took us some time to move there. We were there. 90 days, but we ended up moving like two months later. So yeah, yeah. give or take a few months. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then now y'all, y'all are near your family in Missouri. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. <laughs> and we're near our family here in Texas. So that's a little parallel too. Um, that's such a beautiful thing though. And I love mentioning that layer to this of like a lot of times, specifically in the Naptime and Parish crowd. And of course we have a full range. Everyone's welcome. Some don't even have kids yet. Some don't have businesses yet. But there's a lot because that was my story where mine was the secondary income because my husband was in the military and we chose, I mean, because he was in the military, I was going to be the primary caregiver whenever kids came along. Right. And so because it was secondary, it's like, well, he was supporting me to be able to do that, you know? And then I, at the time I was like, oh, well, my money's bonus money. It's yeah. like, we were just, we were saving it and I'm so glad that we saved it. And it took a while for me to realize that wasn't bonus money. It, there was something about it that was making it not feel real. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that was very real money that I was making and that I was stacking up for us because even though I've taken a step back in business over the last few years, that's been able to to sustain us, to keep us from feeling anxious, right. like to help us have that safety net of feeling like we're good here. And it's weird because we don't have many people in our day-to-day lives that can relate to the setup that we have. But we do have time and space to figure this out, which there are benefits and drawbacks to that too, because it can be awfully comfortable to just be like, I don't know, what do you want to do today? I don't know, (laughs) what do you want to do today? Um, But it's like, we can often forget that we had all this time through our businesses, especially if we had the secondary income at first to explore and go on this journey and learn about ourselves and personal development through all this entrepreneurship. And, and then our partners were just like doing the thing to, to bring home the bacon and to be able to provide. And now that they have space to think that's a whole journey in itself. And And we're still figuring it out. There's so much too that it's like, you know, like my husband's watching our kids right now while I'm, while I'm doing this podcast and, um, cause they're home for the summer, for the whole summer. And we were going to have a lot of help, but now we don't have a lot of help because of, you know, the world events that are happening right now. So we, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's been different. And I've, you know, a lot of the things that I dealt with when I first started my business around like how, 
having mom guilt and all the Mm. things that I'm like, boo, no, (laughs) none of that. And then finding it resurfacing again. And I'm like, come on, like, I know, like, it's okay for my kids to have an amazing active dad that's in their life and is playing with them. Like that's, and I know that and it's okay that I'm in here working while he's out there, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, it might be like a a grandma that's helping with the kids or a neighbor or whatever. And I, I had to very early on. Cause I, I was, I was big into getting help. Like as soon as I could, I got somebody in our house to like, um, you know, like a, a college kid to come and help a few days a week. And then eventually yeah. my kids did like go to preschool and my daughter went to kindergarten. Like I, I chose not to homeschool or anything like that. So I've had a lot of help yeah. as far as my kids go. And I remember dealing with a lot of guilt and then going through this, like, no, it's okay. If my kids have more people in their life that love them, like yes. this is not a bad thing. Yes. And, um, but it's just funny. Cause I'm like, I dealt with this five years ago. How is this coming back up again mm-hmm. now? Like mm-hmm. what is going on? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I, I'm, again, I keep talking about the book that's not yet written yet it is. And then it's not, but it's like using guilt as a guidepost. And I have a podcast episode on it too, where it's like, it's not possible for us to unsubscribe from emotions. Like that's going to happen and they're going to pop up. But if we can use them as feedback and be like, okay, cool, here's guilt. So is it showing me that this isn't actually how I want to be showing up and it's out of alignment and I actually need to shift something or it's just reminding me, Hey, you're not really clear on how what you're doing is benefiting your kids. So now is a great time to revisit that and double down and get extra certain so that you can see the benefits and connect the dots so that they can too, because it's just an opportunity. It's just kind of like pointing, it's like a little intuitive alarm system. And sometimes we snooze it and we choose not to see the lesson, but otherwise it's just there to let us know like, hey, right, did you want to go this way? Click to confirm, (laughs) yes or no. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think it's great. Anytime the boys have been like, eh, about work, I'm like, yeah, daddy's home. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Cause you would not be seeing him very much if it weren't for the hustle mode that I had. And I used to feel so guilty about it and then did a lot of work on it and realized it was exactly what it needed to be. And I don't, I don't believe we can F it up. I really do think that, you know, it's, it's all learning if we choose to see it that way. Exactly. So thank you for sharing all of that. And what does he do in the business now? Like what kind of stuff is he doing in the business? So a lot of, um, well, when we were traveling, he was doing a lot of the logistical work, yeah. like of just planning trips and all of that. Also just IT. So like actual, um, you know, our WordPress backend stuff. So he had a background in IT. Mm. Um, and then we're starting, um, so he was going to start taking over like partnerships and PR and that kind of stuff, like started taking some courses in it. Um, but then he kind of became Mr. Mom when kindergarten got canceled. So yeah. Yeah. Um, now I was like, now you're a homeschool dad. Go. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Ready? Go. <laughs> Here you go. So that's been, you know, it's been a little bit of a slower start having him, you know, he's very part-time in the business, although the goal was full-time. So yeah. hopefully in the fall, um, he'll start doing some more of that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's the goal, but it's not, it's, it's not a stressful thing because a lot of what he was doing was things that it's like, oh, these would be cool things to help us grow forward. But it's not like these are absolutely like have to happen for the day to day. So that's been nice. And he's been able to really just embrace the dad role. Like it's, that's been pretty cool (laughs) to watch. Well, and that's the thing. And it's also very interesting right now with quarantine pandemic mode, where lots of people who didn't even necessarily like their work arrangements weren't necessarily dictating this path at all in any way, but they're now facing it to where it's like, realizing the value of the labor of being the primary caregiver. Like that was one of the biggest things for me when we moved. And I was like, oh my gosh, now I'm appreciating all the ways that he provides and contributes that have nothing to do with a paycheck because the meals and the showing up for bath time and doing like the, it's not even Mr. Mom, it's just dad, (laughs) it's dadding. And it's like, this is a whole new generation of what they're able to model and create that I just think it's a new paradigm where it used to be strange for dads to actually play this active role and now it's more and more common and it's so interesting just to witness and to navigate and sometimes it's messy because I'm like no but I still want to be needed because I was so used to carrying the full domestic load because he was literally like under the sea but it's been so beautiful just to see that nothing's missing and that if I can take some of the financial stuff off of his plate and then he takes some of the domestic things off of my plate and that's understating it of course but it's really 
it's interesting. It's in, it's an interesting time to be creating and for, for the roles to switch and navigate. And it's definitely challenging, but I do think we're all growing from it. And it's cool because it gets, we get to define how we want to show up in our own partnerships, in our own homes, of course, individually too. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And now I would like to move over to my other squiggle notes over here about your shift from service-based information product. Like wh- at what point did you know, okay, I'm done. This, is, this isn't this is sustainable. Like it's great, but I would rather be helping other people create what I've been able to create here. And what was that shift like for you? Definitely. I love talking about this so much. Um, I'm obsessed with like online courses and course creating. And um, it's something I didn't even know existed until yeah. I started down the virtual assistant path. So I think that uh, so for me personally, what happened is that I, you know, was doing VA work, um, started getting into the whole online world, digital marketing, learning about all of these amazing people that were out there doing incredible things and and, and teaching others. And um, so I started following a course creator. Uh, his name is Brian Harris, and. I started following him and was just really, really into his content. Like he always just put out all this incredible, really valuable content. And so I just put it in my mind, I'm going to work for this guy. Like I'm just going to figure out how to make it happen. And so I ended up um, doing this like, I spent like a week working on this proposal for him, mm-hmm. um, like creating this back end. I basically took one of his blog posts and made it into an entire course. Oh, wow. I'm like you could do this as a freebie and da, da, da. And I just crazy showed value first. It's just one of those things that I teach my VAs, especially if they're wanting to go after like dream clients. Yeah. And he hired me like pretty much on the spot. Um, not even to do what I had done for him, but it was just yeah. kind of that, oh, you're the kind of person that goes above and beyond coming yeah. So, um, I ended up doing some VA work, but a lot of like content. So I wrote, uh, I wrote blog posts and things for him. Uh, but really the most valuable thing I got from Matt was just seeing behind the scenes of this, this business, he would launch courses and make it make hundreds of thousands of dollars in a week. And Mm -hmm just being able to see the ins and outs of how a business that size ran and he had multiple team members and um, seeing how, you know, launching courses and learning his methodology behind launching courses. So just seeing behind the scenes of that, I'm like, this is what I want to do. Like, I love this. And so um, I had actually, you know, somewhere in that time, I'm a little murky on the dates, but like I, I had tried, I I knew I wanted to build an email list. So I started like slowly building a list, like from day one of being a VA. And I had kind of tried to create courses and sell them. And they were total flops. Like nobody bought them. (laughs) I spent like months and months and months creating a course. And then like, like it was just not working at all. So, um, by the time I was working with him, I had about a thousand people on an email list. And so his methodology, which I I see a lot of people teaching, um, especially now is kind of, you know, don't necessarily create something that you think your audience wants, ask them, like build an audience around a topic then ask them what they want and then build it. So that's what I did. I had a thousand people on my list and I had had all these courses on like branding and building a business and passion to profit. I'm like, that was totally trademarked and it was a violation <laughs> of someone else's trademark. I did like how many people have launched a course called passion to profit. Right. <laughs> Can't do that. It's trademarked. Um, but like I had done all these things that nobody wanted. And then I just asked my list. I'm like, okay, so what do you want to learn from me? Because I honestly didn't even know who was in my list. Yeah. It was like unanimous. Everyone's like, we want to learn how you became a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. Like, what? I didn't even know that's like who was following me. Like, I thought that this is all like business owners or I don't know. I didn't know. So I literally was like, okay, let's do this thing. So I, um, one of the other things that he was teaching at the time about course creation was launch like kind of validate your idea before you create it. So mm-hmm. I put it out there. It was um, in December of all times. I put it out there and I said, Hey, um, I'm going to create this online course on how to become a virtual assistant. It's not created yet. I'm literally like selling air at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's not created, but it's going to be a thousand dollars right now. It's $500. So if you want to get in, you know, you have this week to buy it. And I had 16 people buy. And so that was $8,000 in my pocket right before Christmas. And that was like a game changer for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. Let's do this. 
And so, you know, I went on to create the course and started launching multiple times a year, invested in that Pinterest manager. And it's, that's kind of where it all started. Um, so I literally just asked my audience what they wanted and like, lucky enough, I'm super passionate about the thing that they uh, wanted me to create. So it really worked out well. <laughs> exactly. And that's the key. Like I'm, I'm just noting so many things. One, that you followed those divine breadcrumbs and your inspiration where there was something about Brian's content that you were like really, really drawn to. You went above and beyond to be like, this is happening. I really want to be able to support. And then you had this goldmine treasure chest of the behind the scenes access to learning. Like that's so cool that you created that experience for yourself to be able to get that information and that inspiration. I love that you were wise enough to start building your email list from the beginning. And then I call it the mutual inspiration society where I do love to create in community. And yet exactly what you just said is the most important part where it's not like we're performing monkeys. Like, what do you guys want me to create? Okay, I'll do that. Forget what I actually care about. It was like everything that you had already been creating but now through this super specific lens, because you were talking about the marketing and building the business and the passion to profit and all those things. But now they were like, okay, but all that and make it VA. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, it was like all those things. Thing. So my, the, 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 the name, the virtual savvy, um, that was my business name before I ever started teaching virtual assistants. I literally, this was like when I was creating courses, like just whatever courses that I was creating. Um, I literally woke up in the middle of the night one night and I just like had the name. It was like the virtual savvy and I wrote it down on a notebook and I'm like, I don't know what that is, but uh, it's going to be something with back to sleep. And that's, I launched, so I launched my business as the virtual savvy. If you go back to like my very first blog post, they have nothing to do with virtual assistants, but they're all brand did the virtual savvy. I love it. And then it like, I was like, Oh wow, that really works. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah. see what's happening. That's really cool. So what is the setup now? Like, what is it that y'all offer? What are the different things that are available for people who want to work with you and learn from you? Yep. So we have our signature course. So that was literally the exact same course that I I created back in the day. It's gone through tweaks. We've updated it. We've made it better. We've beefed it up. We even changed the name now. Um, But it's So what's it called now? It's called the Savvy System. It used to be called the VA Boot Camp, but now it's the Savvy System. Um, We kind of went with a savvy theme everywhere. And so it's the savvy system and it's how to launch and grow your virtual assistant business. So everything from choosing your prices and your packages and how to market and the legalities and contracts and all the things, right? Like A to Z, how to start, grow, scale that business. Um, And then we created a couple of years ago, a side product as well, which is actually a membership site. So we just have two core products um, is just that, that signature product. We launch it twice a year. And then this membership that's kind of always going, people can join anytime. It's $47 a month and it is, um, people can learn like the tech skills to be a VA. So, um, so we kind of teach you how to start your business with the skills you already have. And we teach a little bit of general admin, but then inside of this tech membership, we have, you know, a teachable course, a convert kit course, an Infusionsoft course, a Instagram management course, a podcast management course, a, mm-hmm. you know, subscription box management course. So if you want to work with, we're going to have like a real estate course. So if you want to work with real estate agents, so it's kind of the tech and industry trainings all in a monthly membership. Um, and we so release a smart. new course every month. So that is what's inside of the membership. That's really, really smart. And that's something that people could pay to have their assistance like just to have as a resource, right? Like, is that something that sometimes people do to be like, okay. Yeah, so we have had, we've had a couple of like clients, I guess, buying it for their BAs. We haven't really gone after that market, but it has happened a little bit. Right, because I'm like, that's so smart. I would want my assistant to have access to everything that you're teaching because that's the kind of stuff that changes and shifts so much. It's kind of like, I was just talking to my buddy, Carrie Green, and she has a membership, the the Mm -hmm. members club. And I'm like, there's so much information in there that, it's like no excuse, anything and everything that you could ever want to know. And so people will stay members because it's like, it's just great information and it's carefully curated. It's beautifully presented. Like it's just so valuable and such a ridiculously affordable price, especially if you're in business already, you know, to be able to have that. So this sounds just like that, but for such a specific crowd and for the impact and the income that they can make from what y'all are teaching them, it's a sweet deal. Yeah, we really love it. And the beauty of it. So I didn't, that didn't really get created until 
it could be almost completely outsourced. So I don't actually make, I mean, every once in a while I'll make a course if it's something that I'm really passionate about, but that's kind of the beauty of it is that we don't know all of the tech. So we have course contributors come in. So if somebody is an expert in Infusionsoft, then they'll come in and they'll teach the course and we'll, you know, they get some benefits. We pay them to teach the course and we give them access to um, like year long access to the vault itself. And so that, so there's benefits for the people. So we're getting all these guest experts in. So, you know, I have somebody that kind of helps organize all those experts, but we're not having to create fresh new content every single month, which is helpful. I <laughs> That'd love be a lot of work. That. Right. And how long into it, like at what point had you built the savvy system up to before you were like, okay, now we're, we're going to add on this second complimentary offering. Let's see. I think we started that in uh, 2018. So about two years in. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love it because a lot of times people are hesitant to create a membership because they don't want to be on the hook for creating it all. But when you have built something else that's really solid and can be, I I call it the fundraiser, like the capital fund, (laughs) like the fundraiser that can support the second income stream. And it's so beautifully systemized and outsourced. Like that's a really cool option. And I'm glad that you shared it so that it's on the menu for people who are considering what could work for them. And then do you have a book for the savvy system or have you ever thought about that? That's just a no, side question. You're I like have. the fourth person in the past month that asked me if I okay. had a book. I got right one. So maybe I need to write one. Yeah. I mean, uh, Abby, you've already written it. Like you've written it with your mouth. You've written it. You know, whenever I pulled in transcripts and stuff of the podcast, I was like, holy moly, that's like 170,000 words just in solo episodes, <laughs> you know, like you've been writing it and it's in there. So I'm just saying that could be a really cool just the way, like, even when you just described it and then you said the tagline of whatever it is, like how to set up, I was like, book. So just trust. We're, we're over here on team this side, just sprinkling and highlighting these divine breadcrumbs that could it's be gonna happen. It's a good, it's epic lead generator. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is amazing. And I'm so inspired by your story and what you've created. Thank you for sharing everything that you've shared. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would love just a final nugget or gem to leave with our fellow Naptime Empire Builder before we go? Well, I don't know. I feel like this has been so good and juicy. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Um, no, if you guys, I, I geek out over course creation. So I teach virtual assistants, but I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and like the back end behind this, you know, scaling a business. So uh, definitely if you guys have questions about any of that stuff, reach out to me. I love, love chatting with you all. And um, yeah, this has been really fun. Yes. Okay. And we'll put all the links in the show notes, but <clears throat> excuse me, do you want to tell us audio wise, where can we find you and where can we find the savvy system and all of these things where are the best places to connect with you and the business online? Yes. So you can just check me out at the virtual savvy.com. Okay. That's where you'll find all of our, our blog po- posts and our courses and all our free trainings and things like that. Beautiful. All right. Thanks, Abby and team and quarantine everybody over there in the household. All right, homework for this episode. While you're feeling inspired, take a second to write down either three things an assistant could take off your plate today or what actions you'll take to create a win-win offer for your audience like Abby did. Both of those are super valuable nuggets. I mean, bonus points if you do them both. Uh, But it's really great to think about. Like, what could you actually pass along on one hand? Or if you're already rocking a delegation, what are some things that you can do to create that win-win offer? that feels so fun for you to offer and amazing for your community audience corner of the internet to benefit from. As always, take a screenshot, tag us in your Instagram story. She's at the virtual savvy. I'm at Nikki L. H. Brown. And if you haven't yet, while you're here in your favorite podcasting app, take 30 seconds to leave a rating and review. Let us know what you're loving about Naptime Empire so more people can discover it as we go. All right, that's it for this time. Catch you soon. This show may be over, but the conversation is just beginning. Head on over to naptimeempires.com slash Facebook so you can join my free... Wait, did I say free? I'm in priceless, rapidly growing community of Naptime Empire Builders for deeper discussions, behind the scenes scoop, and of course, updates whenever I've got new stuff coming up for you. naptimeempires.com slash Facebook. See you there. See you next time. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
ਇੱਕ ਚਾਵਲੀ